love. I challenged you last week uh, to try the posture of kneeling during prayer. Did any of you try that? I know this group down here did because they testified about it last night during our movie night. We had a great time last night as we gathered out there in the parking lot and uh, under the stars. It was really neat. Uh, watched a good Christian movie and had popcorn and hot dogs. It was really a great time. But one of the things that came out of that is I heard testimonies about how some of you are trying the posture of kneeling during prayer and you've already seen answers. You've already seen God move just through that one posture of kneeling during prayer. I talked about how we used to do it when we were children and it just created this very special moment in a in a child's life to kneel during prayer. Well, I know your knees are a little older and, and, and your body's a little achier, but what if, just what if, you tried that posture to, to help reinvigorate and kindle that intimacy that you once had? The other thing that I asked you to do that perhaps you're doing is reading your Bible daily. Uh, if this is the only time of the week, if this is that one day of the week, where you read the Bible, then let me just tell you something. You are in a spiritual deficit. You are, in fact, malnourished. You are starving if this is the only time that you read the Bible. Even if you come tonight, Sunday night, where Brother Larry will be bringing the message, I want you to be here tonight to support him. He's been with us now for over a year, and there's coming a date down the road where we're going to ordain him into the gospel ministry. We've already licensed him. But we're going to ordain him into the gospel ministry. Tonight, you'll have an opportunity to hear him preach. But even if you come Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, if those nights or those days are the only time that you're reading the Bible, you are still in a deficit. You are still malnourished. You need to be reading your Bible daily. So did you try that? Or how about this? I asked you to sing during worship. Yes. And remember I said some of you are apprehensive about that. Well, I don't sing. Uh, well, listen to me. Uh, I, I know that, that many of you that have told me before that you don't sing. I bet if I was to walk by your house and figure out where your bathroom is and stand outside your bathroom window while you were taking your shower tomorrow morning, you would be singing like Frank Sinatra. Now, some of you may not be Frank Sinatra. You may be Fred not so hot stuff. But anyway, you would at least be attempting it, you know. Singing the rain. You'd be doing something. So don't tell me you can't sing. Give it a try. Did you try this morning to sing? You know, it's a wonderful opportunity because everybody's singing. Nobody can hear you. And so you could just kind of just kind of sing a little bit. Try that. Maybe uh, tomorrow morning on your way to work, listen to Air One or K-Love. Uh, get your day started on the right foot by singing, by worshiping the Lord. Are you taking notes on the back of your new bulletin trifold that Jennifer redesigned and worked on for us? Uh, it's got a section there called Sermon Notes. That's, again, not an opportunity to figure out, uh, uh, you know, tic-tac-toe or to doodle <laughs> or to draw or to write little love notes to your something-something. Um, it is actually exactly what it says, Sermon Notes. Because God is going to try and speak to your heart today during the message. And because all of us suffer from short-term memory loss, you need to write down what God says to you. You really do. Because, listen, it's amazing when I go back and look through my notes and go back and look through something, it, it, God uses that to, to help me and, to, and to, 
to get me to, to dig deeper into his word. So I hope that you're doing that. We discussed last Sunday how a new love, when you first fall in love, it's special. And it's sweet. about how when you first fall in love it's just it's just fresh and it's just all it's all you can think about it's all you can dream about and, and with a new love you don't even have to work at it it just comes naturally uh it, it's amazing you know you communicate better uh you're excited there's that excitement and that passion right but over time what has to happen even if it's a, a deep love even if it's a great love even if it's the stuff of Romeo and Juliet. Hey, by the way, they killed themselves, so that's not a very good love story. Uh, even if it's the stuff of Casanova or somebody else, listen to me, it has to be kindled. It's just like that fire in that fireplace that we talked about last Sunday. It's beautiful, right? Creates the ambiance. It creates all that. But if you don't kindle it, if you don't stir it up, if you don't do something, that beautiful fire that once burned bright in the fireplace will fizzle. The same is true of your relationships here on earth and your relationships with the divine. You have to work at this. And for some of you, that's a four-letter word. Work! Work! And then you wonder and you complain about why your walk is not what it used to be and why you don't feel that close. Because you're missing out on the work. you got to kindle it. you got to stir it up. So today we're going to look at how God views those who ride the fence. How does God view those who are in the middle of the road? How does God view those that are neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm? Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you were to take the temperature of most people sitting in a church today, which according to statistics, it's down to less than 50% of Americans. Less than 50% of Americans today will find themselves in any church. Catholic, Methodist, Pentecostal, Baptist, any church, less than 50% of Americans. Used to be 75% of Americans that attended church or religious service on a weekly basis. It's already down to less than half of it. So watch this. I'm just telling you, about half that's left that's still sitting in the church, if we were to take, if there was a spiritual thermometer, and we were to take their temperature, hopefully it's just one of those digital things, right? Because I know where some of you are already thinking. But anyway, <laughs> if we were to take their temperature... <laughs> Where did your mind just go? <laughs> if we were to take your digital, if we were to take your digital temperature, this is what I know about the majority of Christians today. Now remember, less than half of us are in a church on a Sunday, so we're already working from a small pool. All right, now we're about to get into the kitty pool because watch this. If you were to take the temperature of the average person sitting in a church pew or a church seat today, they wouldn't be hot. They wouldn't be cold. Be lukewarm. And that is what's wrong with Christians today. We're in the middle of the road. We're neither hot nor cold. We're lukewarm. We're riding the fence. We're just going through the motions, right? So today we're going to be in Revelation again. That's where we were last week. Because remember, John wrote to the seven churches. Those are seven ages within the church age. Those are seven literal, physical churches back in the days of John. And it applies to us today. We're going to be specifically in Revelation 3. We're going to read verses 14, 15, and 16 as we talk and think 
about falling in love with God. So would you stand in reverence of the reading of God's word from Revelation 3, beginning at verse 14. When you found your place, say amen. 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 That sounds like a good looking word. Revelation 3, beginning at verse 14. Write to the angel of the church in Laodicea. The amen, the faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation says, I know your works, that you are neither, <laughs> you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I am going to vomit you out of my mouth. Because you're neither hot nor cold. Because you are lukewarm. It is revolting. It is disgusting. It actually, he rejects it. And the description in the Holman Christian is he vomits it. Your translation may say spit it out. But the, the application is the same. It revolts God when we are neither hot nor cold, but we are lukewarm. It revolts him because he deserves better. Amen. He rejects it because he is worthy of your full honor and passion and worship and sacrifice. He's worthy of that. And so, therefore, because you are neither hot nor cold, he vomits you out of his mouth. Very graphic description, but you need it, perhaps, to wake you up. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, speak to us today through your word. Convict us through your Holy Spirit, O oh God, that today we wouldn't just go through the motions of another Sunday, another church service, another sermon. No, that today you would touch, you would motivate, you would inspire you would, you would cause there to be a fire kindled once again in our hearts for you. And that all of us would fall in love with you again. We would have that newness and that passion and that freshness of love. That God, we just couldn't get enough. We hunger for more. We, we want to serve you more, love you more, sacrifice more. No more lukewarm. But today... We would get on fire. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people would say, Amen. you may be seated. That graphic description about it being revolting to God and he vomiting it out. He would rather spit you out, reject you, throw you up, than tolerate your lukewarmness. You know why? Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Because he knows what you're missing out on. When you just go through the motions of religion, and when you just are neither hot nor cold, and you just show up, and when you are not on fire and you're not passionate, God sees what you're missing out on. He sees the blessings that he desires to give you. He sees the things that you could be doing in Jesus' name. He sees the lives that your life could touch. He sees what, what the opportunities are out there for you that you're not even aware of. Because why? Because you're neither hot nor cold. You are lukewarm. And it, it, it literally disgraces him and it repulses him. So therefore, he spits you out. 
One time years ago, uh, as a family, we went to Shogun, and uh, and my dad, it was Angela and I, Hayden and Parker, and my dad and Eloise, and my dad always ordered sushi. And uh, I'm not a fan of parasites. Uh, I'm not a fan of worms or diseases. Uh, but you know, everybody talks about sushi. My, my son Hayden likes sushi. Uh, Angela will tolerate sushi. My dad loves sushi. So you know what I said in ignorance? I'll try it. At least you would try to get a parasite. So <clears throat> they, they bring out the sushi. And I decided after all these years of hearing people rave about it, goofy people, I think, I think, listen to what I'm about to tell you. I think if you ever wonder who likes sushi, it's the same 80 million people that voted for that guy that's in the White House now. <laughs> but listen, I, I, prefer, I prefer my stuff breaded and deep fried. <laughs> Break that thing up and fry it and I'll eat it. Amen? So they, they bring it out, and, and here's what I did. I, you know, hey, what's all this rave about? So I put it in my mouth, and I immediately knew that it was not welcome in my mouth. <laughs> I immediately knew that the landlord of my stomach was about to evict the non-paying sushi. <laughs> Mr. Sushi, you got to go. <laughs> the landlord was about to say, you are not welcome here. <laughs> No. And so as it's, as it's sitting there, I have to make a logical, rational, polite decision because all I, you know what, Shogun, you're even sitting with people you don't know and you don't even like. And they're watching me as that sushi is sitting in my mouth. And I tell you right now, I felt that fish swim around. And so I knew that we're about to have an eviction. So I took the nice formal cloth napkin that they provide for you. I'm like, oh Lord, I mercy, this would be good for a paper napkin time. But no, it's that cloth napkin, and I took it, and I put it up to my mouth like this, and I spit that raw fish out. I held it right there in my hand, and I looked over at the fish aquarium, and I said, I at least want to give you a fighting chance. <laughs> so, you may like sushi, you may be one of the 80 million people, but anyway, uh, this is what I'm going to tell you. It was not welcome here, okay? It may be welcome in your mouth, and that's fine. We all have different preferences. That's why there's 31 ice cream flavors at Baxter Robbins. We have different check tastes and choices. But let me tell you this. God cannot tolerate lukewarmness. He cannot allow it in his mouth. He literally has to reject it. He literally has to vomit it out, spit it out. And yet you and I, if we were to be honest and genuine before the Lord, there's been more days where you've probably been lukewarm. It revolts him. And again, it revolts him because he knows what you're missing out on. He knows that you are just going through these motions and that you are not living the abundant life that he has designed for you. Let's talk about Laodicea. This letter that John wrote to Laodicea, he says there at the beginning in verse 14, and 15, that he knew their works. 
At one time, this church was thriving. This church was growing. This church was doing things at one time. But then he says, you are neither hot, you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. Make a choice. I wish you'd choose. I wish you wouldn't be a fence rider. I wish you wouldn't be in the middle of the road. I wish you wouldn't be lukewarm. Make a choice, he says. See, Laodicea, it's an interesting thing. It's an actual city in modern-day Turkey. And Laodicea was a major trade route. And they were very wealthy, very wealthy. But wealth and activity are no substitute. Zero, no substitute for obedience to God. They had wealth, they had prosperity, but those are not substitutes for a true relationship with Jesus. The Christians that were in Laodicea were neither hot nor cold, and this is what's interesting. Just to the north of Laodicea was a city called Heropolis. And in Heropolis, they had hot springs. I'll be going to hot springs in a few weeks, and I love it. Uh, the thermal baths there, they tell us, are therapeutic and help people that have arthritis and other ailments of inflammation. And, and the water literally comes out of the ground at a very hot temperature. Those are hot springs. In Heropolis, there were hot springs. And that was to the north of Laodicea. To the south of Laodicea was Colossae. And Colossae was known as cool springs cool springs but yet here we are talking about Laodicea which is in the middle and Laodicea was neither hot nor cold they were lukewarm they the and the Christians that were there I want you to think about this so they're living in a town that doesn't have hot springs or cold springs but it has lukewarm and yet spiritually that was absolutely the condition that they were in they were neither hot nor cold, and they were in the middle of Heropolis and Colossae. Isn't that interesting? And too many Christians today choose to be somewhere in, well, I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a Jesus freak, Brother Larry. I, I don't want people to think I'm charismatic. God forbid that. I, 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 I don't want to be one of those that goes out and, and be, uh, becomes a missionary. And so we, we choose to like, paper down. We choose to put a governor on our spiritual walk. And we shouldn't. What are you afraid of? Getting real close to God? Is that something to fear? <coughs> what if? Just what if people called you a Jesus freak? I've been called a lot worse. Why do we settle for middle? Why do we settle for riding the fence? Why do we settle for lukewarm? when God desires so much more for us. Many Christians today remind me of that song. If you're hot, then you're cold. You're yes, then you're no. You're in, then you're out. You're up, then you're down. You're wrong when it's right. It's black and it's white. Too many people choose the easy way instead of stepping out in faith and going into the unknown. Too many people choose the middle. Too many people choose average. Too many people choose just a, you know, and, and this is one thing that I've always reminded myself of. It is a sin to settle for good when God has intended you to be great. It is a sin to settle for good when God has intended for you to be great. 
too many Christians are somewhere in the middle. Seven for just here. Just enough. I'm going to do just the minimum standard. You know, that's what always gets me when we have uh, tactical trainings or police trainings. I literally hear co-workers and others talk about, well, what's the minimum I have to do on this test? What's the minimum I have to shoot? What's the minimum on the Cooper scale that I have to run or the number of push-ups? And, and their, their, rational is, their rationale is this. I will get paid the exact same thing as the guy who is at the top of the Cooper scale as opposed to the person at the bottom. I understand that, but why in the world, when it comes to the things of God, are we just doing the minimum? What if, what if just what if God did the minimum for you? What if just what if God answered the minimum amount of prayers that you pray? What if just what if God blessed you with the minimum amount of blessings that he wants to? Minimum should not be our standard. I want us to take the lukewarm test today. Real simple. It's not very advanced. It's not a two-on-one or a three-on-one or a four-on-one. It's a, it's a remedial. <laughs> All of you are in love. Hello. Uh, here's the lukewarm test. Are you serving anywhere in a local church? Are you serving anywhere in the local church? We're about to have nominations and, and a business meeting in December where we're going to look for new people to step up and serve on committees and help. And there's all kinds of committees that you could serve on and teams that you could be on. You know, God perhaps is laying on your heart that he wants you to take more of a role in this church. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to talk to me. Don't be afraid to talk to Brother Larry or Debbie who's on the nominating committee. Talk to somebody and say, I, I'm, I took that spiritual gift test. Or maybe you didn't take the spiritual gift test that we offer. But, but you know that you kind of like a certain area to serve in children or, or youth or, or fellowships when we have big events like that movie night last night you could have been on that committee there's all kinds of different things going on building a ground isn't it awesome that you could use your gift to serve in the church and mow grass or weed eat or help a, help a widow with a porch a wheelchair ramp or, or something that, that uh, around her house that she needs help with that is actually serving in the local church. So that's the first <coughs> test of the lukewarm to find out if you're just a lukewarm uh, Christian. So if you're not serving anywhere in the local church, if you're not on a committee, if you haven't helped recently fry fish or or build a porch or mow some grass or help with a fellowship or help with a setting up things then maybe that's that's an indication, just an indication that you're a little on the lukewarm side. Here's the next question. When was the last time you witnessed to someone? Mm. And I will include, just to help some of you out, because you may say, that's not my personality. But I hear you talk about sports, and I hear you talk about hunting, and I hear you talk about fishing, so I know that you know how to use the English language, but maybe it's not in your personality. Okay, so if you haven't witnessed to someone, which just means this, I'm a Christian. Can I tell you what Jesus has done for me? That's witnessing. But if you can't do that, have you invited anybody to church? So I'll put those two questions together. When was the last time you witnessed or invited someone to church? So if it's been a long time, who gets to decide what a long time is, divorce? Because <laughs> maybe it's been a couple of days, and that's a long time. A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. Hello. 
You see, as a Christian, we should be actively witnessing. We should be actively inviting people to church. So that would be an indication. Here's another one, and this is going to step on a lot of toes. A lukewarm test question. Do you give sacrificially? Not just money, but yes, it does mean money. Money, time, and talent. Your tithe, your talent, and your time. Do you give sacrificially? I'm not talking about giving God a tip like you give the, you, you give a waitress, I'm just going to give you the leftovers, I'm going to give you a tip. Do you give God sacrificially to the point that you're like, ooh, if I give that, I may not have any left over. Mm, interesting. You see, for too long, we give God whatever's left at the end of the month instead of giving God the first fruits. The first fruits. It wasn't what was left over at the end of harvest, which would be leftovers. It was first fruits. Before you divided up for your family, before you divided up for your meal, you actually took out of the first fruits and gave to God. And that's sacrificial giving. But it's not just money. How about time? What does that mean? Well, that could mean that on a Saturday that you really wanted to go do something, that you really wanted to go, I don't know, hunt, fish, do something different. What if you came up here to the church and you helped with the, you helped with the, the, the landscape, you helped with the, the grass, you, you were up here maybe when we, when we cleaned up something back there or, or here when we demolished something. You know, that's sacrificial because you're probably going to have to give up a day that you'd like to be at home that you'd like to be doing something else. That's sacrificial and giving up. That's that's putting your selfish desires to the side and saying, you know what, I'm going to give of my time. Your talent. Each person in this church has a gift and or talent. Some of you, may, it may be musical. Some of you, it may be teaching. Some of you, it may be serving and help. Some of you, it may be building, working with your hands, knowing. You may have an engineer's mind or... You may know something about buildings and sketches or, or whatever the case may be. Are you using that in the church? See, those lukewarm questions, if you're answering more of them on the no side or not lately, that's a great indication that you lean toward being lukewarm. So it's clear God doesn't like those riding the fence. He doesn't like those that walk in the middle of the road. He doesn't like lukewarmness. It's revolting to him. So then why are so many Christians not on fire? In these end days that we're living in, these are the end times, why are we not on fire and passionate? Flip over real quick to Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12. Matthew 24, 12. This is a reference to the end, in the end days. This is what people will see. And in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12, because lawlessness will multiply, the love of many will grow cold. In the end days, lawlessness will multiply. Have you seen a lot of lawlessness here lately? A lot of chaos in the streets? Lawlessness is multiplying. Lawlessness is growing exponentially. Because of that, look at what happens. Consequence, or excuse me, our actions have consequences because lawlessness will multiply. The love of many will grow cold. Perhaps your love has grown cold because it hasn't been kindled. Listen to me as I close. Love is not neutral. 
But here, love is not mental. Love is action. Don't tell me what you love. I'll be able to know after a conversation. I'll be able to know what you get passionate about. I'll be able to know what gets you spun up. Just by being around you, I can tell. I know. Don't tell me you love God. Show me that you love God. Love is not neutral. Love is action. Through works, through serving, through giving, through going, through mowing, through building, through frying, through cooking, through baking. I mean, the, the ways that you can serve are countless. They're limitless. Don't put God in this box and say, you know, the only way I can serve God is if, I, if I'm singing in the choir or I'm preaching. There's so many ways you can serve. So many ways. Love is action. And let me tell you who demonstrated love in the best possible way. For God so loved. It doesn't say that he partially loved. It doesn't say that he half-heartedly loved. It doesn't say that he kind of loved. It says for God so loved the world that he gave, that's action, ladies and gentlemen, he gave sacrificially. He gave his one and only son. That whosoever, that's you and that's me, whosoever believeth shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's love and action. And if that doesn't cause you to want to be on fire for God, what he gave up and what he gave to you, then nothing will work. You cannot be lukewarm when you really consider what God did for you. Cannot be in the middle of the road when you think about the sacrifice. You cannot be half-hearted into this. You cannot be halfway in. You've got to be sold out. All the way. Go hard or go home. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, today, through this time that we call the invitation, I'm asking Holy Spirit that you would move.